Welcome to Intentionally Grounded. On episode three, we had the chance to sit down with head coach of Ricori High School, Mike Rowe. Mike walks us through his Spartan spread system along with his RPO system that he's had and expanded on over the past few seasons. As always, you can find all of our episodes updated weekly on Wednesdays at our, our website at igfootballcoach.com. We're also on our podcasting networks such as Stitcher, Anchor, and iTunes. We're here with Coach Mike Rowe. Coach, tell us a little bit about your background as a coach and tell us what got you into the coaching profession. Uh, you know, I just started playing football. Uh, when I was in third grade, um, I'm from Canada originally, and so it just uh, ended up being a game I fell in love with and something that I loved doing. And uh, when I was 16 in high school, my dad helped me, uh, brought me onto his staff with his Pop Warner team. So I was playing high school football, and then after practice, I would uh, take the bus uh, to uh, the Greendale Falcons practice, and then I would coach with him. So I enjoyed that a lot and uh, learned a lot about football and uh had the opportunity to play in college at Valley City State um, and had some really good uh, influential coaches there that kind of allowed me to to grow in my football knowledge. And, you know, from there I coached a couple of years in nine-man football in North Dakota and then got into college at uh, St. Cloud State University and Minot State, some D2 schools there, and then eventually – uh, landing at uh, Recori, where I've been at for nine years now. So how many years total, Coach, would you say the, since you began coaching, maybe even if you want to include, you know, including at the Pop Warner level, how many years have you been coaching total? Well, I was figuring that it's been 30 years I've, I've been around since I started playing, you know. So it's it's been a long time that football has been a part of my life, you know. It's only about nine years that I never played, really, so or, or coached. So it seems like it's been a, a staple for me for a very long time. You're the head coach at Recori, and for some of our listeners, they may not be very familiar where Recori is or what it's all about. Can you give us a little bit of uh, information about what the community and school are like and, and how much interest there is in football up in Recori? Yeah, well, Recori is, uh, is three towns. It's Rockville, Cold Spring, Richmond, so it's the first two letters of each each town that make up Recori, which is uh, the school district. And you know, probably combined, we're about 9,000. We compete um, at the Class 4A level, which is the third largest um, classification in Minnesota football. And our community, uh, when I got there, was not um, a football community at all. They've had, had a little bit of success. They've been to state four times over uh, their 50-year history um, at the time. Um, and since my staff has been here because we've remained together, all nine years we've been to state five times uh, in nine years so it's been really good and we've moved from probably the c sport for everyone to sport 1a uh, kind of for kids baseball is very big here uh, basketball is very big here but um, football has really made a big push and our numbers um, have shown where others are starting to lower ours are maintaining and growing in the game and coach, you said that your numbers are growing in your football program. Would you attribute that a lot to just maybe you know success within the program, or is it something in the culture that you guys are doing down there that's leading to increased numbers in your sport and the popularity? Well, I like to think it's kind of a, a lot of those things combined. Um, we've been very um, proactive in how we do things, how we coach the game, 
Um, we do a lot of character development and team building type things. We make um, try to make practice as fun as we can. We know that's kind of a big thing for kids. Um, we um, have big parental enrollment or help that our parent involvement in our program that really um, helps our grow. We do a clinic with our moms that we educate them about the dangers and the safety and how we're protecting them. But we've been doing things that they're talking about doing. We've been doing those things since 2009, like how we tackle, um, hawk tackle. We just called it a rugby tackle, you know, in 09. So things that are now very common in, in the world, like character development and safe tackling and heads up football and all those things, we were doing those long before that happened. And because of that, we really haven't had um, the same injury rates as other programs. And uh, it's just been a really, uh, really great place to, to watch uh, the program grow. That's really great to hear, Coach. It's good to see that, you know, certain things are starting to take hold and, and the safety of the game is, is being put at a premium and that it's really helping your program. Um, I got first, you know, I first learned about you through some of your online clinics that you've done and some of the eBooks and stuff that you've published out there. For some of our listeners who this is the first time getting to know you, where are some of the different areas that you have worked that has published that they could go find for future reference? Oh, it's kind of hodgepodge of everything, but yeah, Twitter mainly um, posts a lot of stuff out there um, in the Twitter spot. And then I, I have a business partner, uh, out in Louisville who has a website coaches-clinic.com and you can find um, all my stuff um, that I do there and so that's generally the housing place for it all it's nice because a lot of these other programs out there they uh, they charge you know they take portions of your sales and things like that where you know Rob just lets me do what I do and you know he sends me you know how uh, we sell stuff. It's, it's a good, good month and things like that. So, uh, it's a really interesting way for me. I started doing the, the books and the videos and posting stuff online just because, you know, I'm constantly trying to learn. I'm a lifelong learner that way and I don't want to stay stagnant. So I would put my thoughts and philosophies out there and see how they matched up with other people. And, you know, if people question it, that's good. If I could defend it, that's even better. That means that, you know, that it's, a uh, a strong system that's in place and um, it really is kind of a the Spartan spread has been very foolproof here you know the last six seasons has been really really good since we've kind of started to promote it yeah coach and you talk about your, your Spartan spread that's one of the more common things that we see um, you teaching about and you explaining to a lot of the other coaches if for a person who'd never seen your system or heard about your system how would you describe your Spartan spread and what went into the development of the system you know, it's kind of like a whole lot of things like, you know, back when Chip Kelly was at Oregon and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Utah was really big. I just was watching this stuff and just enamored by it and, you know, would take notes and watch these TV games and kind of learn that way. So it's really a hybrid system that's kind of built to fit because our personnel changes every year. So there's a lot of stuff in the Spartan spread system. It doesn't get used every single year, but it is a multiple spread system that could fit tight end personnel from two tight ends to one tight ends to zero tight ends to no running backs to three running backs. So it's just a system that's just set up for coaches at kind of the high school and youth level um, that really want to take their offense to the next level. Just gives them that um, ability to find different ideas, ideas that have been tested, failed, uh, re refixed, you know, rebranded and all that thing. And, and they just come out 
uh, because it's gone through there. And, you know, the nice thing about the online stuff and putting things out there is you, I probably talk to two or three coaches a week on the phone, just about uh, philosophy and systems and things like that. So just a good way to keep your mind active and make sure you're not staying stagnant and you're growing uh, as a coach. With your system, how difficult has it been to, you know, implement it to get to the level that you guys have been to? Uh, what has really gone into that? And has there been any growing pains along the way that you really have learned from? You know, I probably early years um, when I was offensive coordinator, um, younger, we probably had uh, more growing pains through the system. The first two years, just trying to get the kids to believe that, you know, no huddle football was the right way to go. Um, with everybody but once we kind of got through that and now that we've established our program it starts in our flag program our grades three through five do a lot of our passing concepts there our sixth seventh eighth grade all run no huddle spread uh, just a variation of the system and we have a procedure in place so now this year seniors that uh, won uh, our, our district title they were the first group of sixth graders so they've been through the system all the way through and so we were able to take our offense to a whole nother level just because they have grown in the system and know things and understand the language. So it's been really good where um, it's really benefited our kids. You know, we are, we're kind of long and gangly, a lot of basketball type kids. So it fits our, our kids in our program. We don't have a lot of big kids, even though this year we had a lot of big linemen. Um, so it, it just allows us to vary, but probably the first two years at Recory, we struggled, um, in the system, but once we got through those, we've kind of really taken off. Has there been anything that through your experience with your, your system that is there any key or any vital aspect to your offense that really kind of triggers its success? Yeah, I think, uh, and everyone will tell you this in the spread. I think you really need to have uh, a guy at the quarterback position. doesn't have to be a thrower, but he's got to be some kind of dynamic threat. I think if you try to settle with a kid that can game manage, um, that's not going to win you football games. You need someone that's going to win a play either with their feet or with their arm and those types of things. And then um, people think you need a running back. I, I think by committee, we've done that a lot. We've usually had three or four kids um, that can play that running back position. Um, but having that uh, wide receiver that's either long and tall has really helped us or a smaller guy that's a speed burner has helped us. If we can kind of find a combination of, of those guys um, in those in those pockets of grades, um, we're usually really, really good. Coach, do you call plays, or is that something you give for the responsibility for a, an offensive coordinator? No, they make sure I call them. Yeah, I've tried to pass that buck, but nobody wants it. So, yeah, no, I, I do all the play calling. How would you describe yourself as a play caller? What type of philosophy do you have, for example, on you know first and third down? Well, I'm a, I'm, I want to move the chains. You know, and I want to put stress um, on the defense really is what I want to do. I would say I'm very conservative. I have a lot of fun plays and concepts that are not conservative, and I don't run those a lot. And I need to get better. Um, you know, I'm get, every year I'm getting a little uh, able to pull the trigger on a couple of them. But, yeah, I really uh, feel I'm conservative where I want to get, you know, plays that I know are safe that are going to keep the ball in our hands, but also plays that are going to move the chains and then from there, I want to stretch uh, that defense and make them defend us sideline to sideline and really stretch them thin um, through the middle so we can attack them that way. 
Coach, one of the many things that you're known for and have shared a lot of information on is your RPO game. Uh, when did you begin using RPOs, and how many did you implement that first year? You know, I guess we've always had some kind of bubble and fast screen at Ricori. Um, when you talk about maybe more vertical um, RPOs, we started doing those in 2012. And when we implemented them, we, we had just a handful you know, four or five type concepts. Um, we had a real special quarterback that year that was a magician with the football. Like he could hide it and teams would be selling on it all the time. And so well, with that, we were just uh, kind of just evolved it every year to our personnel and where we need it to go. And now we're kind of in that game where we're splitting the field, um, you know, with a run concept, a pass concept, and then trying to single a receiver with a matchup route that way. And so it is. It has grown immensely since where we were in 12, where kids now are determining what routes they're running and things like that. But, you know, at the beginning it was real simple straight line or bubble and fast key type stuff. You kind of touched on a little bit there. I'm talking about putting a lot of the onus on the, on the players to be able to understand what kind of routes they run in the RPO. But for uh, a person who may be developing an RPO game, can you give us a little bit of insight as to, uh, what influences go into the route concepts you attach to your run game? Yeah, you know, it's really coverage-based coverage, coverage based type things that we look at. So when we're going in uh, with our route tree uh, to bring into a game, we're looking at the coverages. So we always start with uh, the single receiver. So we put a three-by-one set, no matter what it looks like, on the board, and we talk about, okay, these are the coverages we're going to see. These are the three routes that we want this guy to be able to know. And we need to make sure he knows and our quarterback knows that the ball will be thrown on these types of, of reads and concepts. And then from there, we'll evolve to a two-by-two two set, and then we'll go to the field set with a three-by-one set. So we try to make sure we have a nice uh, arrangement of routes, and then we try to have a man-beater in there because sometimes teams um, are really good at disguising what they're doing and get into a man-concept we try to have some kind of pick scheme in there for when we get inside the 20 because that's when we see a lot of press man-to-man and things like that so want to be able to win routes uh, win in green grass and that's basically how we kind of determine you know what kind of are we going to run a speed out or a five and out or we're going to run a stick you know we try to determine those based on the d's alignment to what we do and then how soft or how tight they play Kind of a follow-up question to that, uh, Coach. Is there, from your experience running the RPOs in your system, do you, there's certain route concepts you prefer with certain plays, like like power, for example, or inside zone, or is there any certain ones you prefer to attach with the run game? No, I, I think you got to have a variety. You got to have some that are going to attack the seam and the backer. You got to have uh, things that are going to attack the overhang um, player for your outside run game. I think you just have to have a variety of things. You know, we probably throw more slant and seams than, um, than anything else, but the hitch route has really evolved for us. We don't want to put our quarterback in a situation where he's throwing um, um, outs that are across the field because those have a, a lower percentage of completion or a high turnover rate. Um, and even we have a lot of uh, where we just have goal fades where they're pressing us and we know we're going to win clean on there and our quarterback sees us, there's no other help, and he's going to put the ball up into play and just let that receiver make a play. 
for a first-time coach, maybe it'd be an offensive coordinator or, or a head coach who's thinking about implementing some RPOs into their system because it is becoming a very common aspect to a lot of high school, collegiate, and professional playbooks. What advice would you give them for installing RPOs in their offense? You know, just start small. You know, figure out what you want to do and what fits your, your offense. You know, certain certain concepts are better, you know, like the power and inside zone and outside zone are real staples. I see a lot more uh, counter tray or counter king with the wing and the guard now. So it's like find what you want to do to run the ball and how will you be able to run the ball. I think the misconception with RPOs with everyone is you, they think you got to throw the ball. Like they don't consider it an RPO unless you throw it. But we want to run the football. In Minnesota, the weather gets crappy. We want defenders not doing their keys and opening up run lanes for us. And so I think you want to figure out what best pairs with where you're attacking the defense in your run game and then attack it so that you can uh, create some opportunities for yourself. Is there a certain number of, of RPOs that you would recommend for a system? Like, is there a magical formula, for example, where, you know, if for every run play you need to have one RPO, or is there anything like that that you'd recommend? Uh, no, I think you would just, whatever, one or two plays is all you need to tag, and uh, it's just depending on your philosophy, if you want to play fast and, you know, then it's fine to have bubble and fast screen in there and not attack vertically. If you have guys that are going to win in those seams and smart, I think you really have to look at your personnel, like the college level, obviously they get to pick who they want in those schemes. And so they have a little higher, uh, they could probably expand their playbook a little bigger, but some years, you know, if we got, you know, we had a year where we had a six, seven wide receiver, we just ran a lot of slants and said, defend him, And he won them one-on-one all the time. So, you know, I think simple is better, and your kids just need to understand why you're doing it, and then from there you expand as you need to. Awesome stuff, Coach. Uh, in terms of the practice structure that you guys use to help incorporate and practice RPOs, uh, what type of drills do you guys use, and how do you structure it into a typical week of practice? You know, like the big thing for us is we want our quarterbacks ball handling and our running backs ball handling as much as possible. So a lot of our our drills on air that we do is we'll hand off an inside zone and then our running back's going to run through, you know, we got shoots and things like that. So they're going to concentrate on their inside zone pass, say quarterback's going to give the ball and then we're going to throw another ball to him right now and he's going to catch it and then throw one of the route concepts that we're working on um, that is paired with that play that week. And so we'll do a whole bunch of stuff on air. We'll do full field reads. We'll do these small little type drills where they're, it's just one receiver, one running back, one quarterback, and we're rotating three through three, four kids and things like that. And so we just want to rep what we're trying to do and try and simulate as much game situation as possible. We just don't want to have four receivers running around, four quarterbacks dropping back and throwing because that's pretty unrealistic for what we do. So we're going to evolve our, our drills based around um, the RPO concepts that we're doing. Sure. I mean, that makes sense. And, and, and to go off of that a little bit, when it comes to training your quarterbacks and to being effective and knowing who they read, is there a certain process you take them through or is there a certain rule that they live by? I mean, obviously it's determined upon the, the run game, but is there a certain like formula you use or, or rule you use to help the quarterbacks know who they're reading? Yeah, we have uh, in our terminology of, uh, of our plays, um, we try to pair our RPOs so that the tag first letter tells them 
a little bit about what we're trying to read. You know, so for instance, if we had like an Oregon concept, then we're going to read that outside overhang player. And so that kind of tells them that's our read in that one word phrase. And then that the route is complementing the replacement of that player. Or if he stays there, we're going to give the football. So we try to do those things like Boston for inside backer, for instance. Those are kind of like the two general terms um, that we build into those those concepts for those uh, quarterbacks. Just so it takes that process out of thinking um, what you do um, week in and week out. And, you know, sometimes it depends what type of structure that defense is in. You know, if you have more of a, a 4-4 type look where, you know, they're playing cover one, you know, that changes you know, the reads to the guys because they're matched up man on man. So then it becomes like a, a cushion type read for our guys. So, but if you get a three, four defense, we want to attack those outside backer overhangs to prevent them from coming every single play. So that's kind of how we, we structure it with our quarterbacks when we teach it to them. And, you know, we, we start right in ninth grade, we start having that chalk talk with them and they get their three concepts that they got to learn in ninth grade. And that um, really helps. Um, speed up the process for us. We're going to shift a little bit away from uh, the RPO aspect of it, and we're going to look a little bit more holistic at the picture. And in terms of we're going to look at your game planning, Coach, in terms of a, a normal week of practice during the season, uh, what was a typical game planning session look like for you? How, what are some things you look for when you're breaking down film of an opponent? So Sunday night we do all of our huddle breakdowns, um, go into Saturday. So then Sunday morning, um, everyone has their assigned opponent breakdowns that they do. So we'll get break down our game and then we'll get all the, uh, tedious things done on Saturday, down a distance, those kind of things, red zone, we'll tag them in our, in our special way. And then Sunday night, um, once we get all our kids to bed, we get together at like nine o'clock. So nine to 10 30, um, we start going through our game plan and so when we, we go into that, you know, we're looking at defensive structure and we're looking at personnel. And every team has a weakness, no matter how good they are. They all have that one guy that they do their best to hide. Um, it's hard to find 11 really, really good football players and get them all out there. And so we look at, at personnel and how we're going to attack them, how can we get our best guy on one of their weaker players, those kinds of things. And then from there, we go through, you know, their blitzes, their stunts, uh, their red zone tendencies, and then we kind of structure our plays that way. So when we get into the week on Monday, Monday is a strict install, so it's just a complete uh, teaching our kids to understand the defense that we're going against, and then if we're adding in new plays, why these plays are in or why um, these are our five bread and butter plays that need to work, and we, and we get that process through them. And then Tuesday becomes a uh, first first and 10 and second and five type practice. Wednesday becomes uh, third and short and third and long, so just converting uh, third down. And then Thursday is just a review walkthrough of everything, and that's kind of how we, we structure it. And then Friday, it's the money day, so we want to go out there and, and win that football game. Absolutely, Coach. I think that's a really good insight into how the process goes through in implementing a very successful you know, system and program in your case as well. Um, and kind of building off of what you're talking about with um, your, your game planning session, are, are you a, much of a script guy? Do you come up with a script either for practice or for a game that you follow pretty closely? 
uh, practice. I follow a script very, very closely. Um, and the reason I do that is it's for memorization for myself. So I program myself to think like these are the plays I'm calling all the time. I have the first 10 scripted. I very rarely go through the, the 10 scripts because typically um, we have a good idea of what they're doing, but we see something that they're trying to do and we want to try and get them out of it right away. So we attack that. So we may have our base first play might be one on the script. Very rarely do we go through all 10 plays on that script um, for the game day. It's mostly then, okay, this is what we're getting. This is, these are the plays that we're calling right now. And then at halftime we revisit what was good. What do we need to, what did we throw away a little too early and then come through. And one thing we try to do is we're a big formation team. We run a lot of different formations. We try to show them one new formation at the beginning of the game and we try to show them one new formation that they haven't seen um, to start the second half because they're game time and talking about what we did in the half, the end of the first half, and that usually throws them off and allows us to get a cheap one um, at the beginning of the, of the second half. Coach, I'm going to skip ahead here a little bit and ask you a few situational questions. Um, so um, just kind of seeing kind of what your thought process is on, on certain situations. And the first situation I'm going to ask you is it's third and five in the middle of the field on your own 40-yard line, and it's early in the first half. And if you can only call one RPO, what player are you calling? And can you walk us through the process that you go through when determining what play you're going to call? Uh, if it's, so if it's third and five, you know, I'm probably uh, tagging some kind of outside zone. So I'd probably be in, a, let's say, a three-by-one set with a tight end. And we're uh, back, back right or back left, so we're back right. And we're going to run outside zone to the left side. And we're going to single up our receiver there. And he's going to make a, a slant, fade, hitch, adjust based on, on the coverage I see. So if he sees press, he's going to get the green light and go fade, must win outside. He's got soft coverage. He's going to run slant. If there's a backer in the slant window, then he's going to run hitch. So that would be the base, probably uh, number one play if we're in that down and distance that we'd like to run. All right, I got another one for you. It's now fourth and one in the middle of the field on the 50-yard line. And this, you know, no restrictions in terms of if it's an RPO or not. But if it's fourth and one in the middle of the field, again, on the 50-yard line, what play are you calling and what's your best run in this situation? Uh, you know, so I could talk two different ways. If our quarterback is a really good uh, dynamic uh, runner, we're going to do something with him, um, either – you know, play action, bootleg type thing where he has a run or throw option um, into the flats. If everyone's chasing, he's going to go. Um, or we might have, if we're uh, like we were this year, we're probably running double tight inside zone and getting, getting eight on fourth and one. You know, that's, uh, you know, kind of depends on, on on our crew every time. But, yeah, we, we probably went for fourth and one way more than uh, we ever had. We had a greasy uh, kind of quarterback. Um, it was a taller guy, not a great runner, but he was six five, and we got fourth and one. He would just hurry everyone up on the line, and he would do QB sneak and win. It was the only time we ever weren't in the gun, and he just got the defense wasn't even ready. He'd just see that the chains. He was just that smart. He knew it. He would get them rolling into it and go. So, kind of a few things that we would do. 
Um, but it, that would vary for us kind of year to year, depending on our, our personnel. To wrap things up here, Coach, one of the things we always like to ask our guests is, is what are you reading about? What are you learning about? Um, and whatever you are choosing to read or learn about, what would you um, take away from that that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, so I have a real big film library, a lot of um, all-22 film that I, I like to share and post stuff out on Twitter. And right now, my, my two big areas of study are um, spread teams that are using the running back very well in the pass game um, and what types of things they're doing there, whether it's option routes or what routes are they having them um, run. And the other thing is play action pass. And I know we're um, with teams, you know, we do a lot of RPO stuff, but I think uh, having the ability because we throw a lot of RPOs at people, um, I think having the ability on short yardage to get even bigger explosive plays running some type of play action where we can really stretch the field instead of kind of dink and dunk and get five or 10 yards on a RPO, really get downfield and get a 30 yard player, maybe even some 25 yard explosive touchdown type concepts going there. So that's kind of um, the strategy and scheme of things that we're looking at and researching as a staff. We were just at the university of South Dakota two weeks ago and we got some, our university of Sioux Falls, sorry, a couple weeks ago and uh, we're, we got some really good things that we really want to bring uh, to our kids this summer to try out. Uh, one of the other things, Coach, that we like to do on the show is we like to start off every episode with a walk-up song or, or a song that just kind of gives us a little bit of a insight into what kind of a coach we're, we are dealing with and what kind of a personality they have. If you had to pick up a walk-up song, what would your walk-up song be? Uh, you know, probably – uh, first one that comes to mind is I would do um, either Enter the Sandman would be be one or it would be uh, Walk by Pantera. I think either one of those would be uh, a real good uh, a walk up song. That's kind of what what I would do. Our our kids march out to uh, Enter the Sandman from our locker room, and it's just uh, crazy uh, hairs on the back of your neck stand up kind of deal. So I like that a lot. So. Well, Coach, I really appreciate all the time that you've taken for us, and I really appreciate the knowledge that you've shared for me and all of our listeners. I've really learned a lot and taken away from it, and I hope it was an enjoyable experience for you. We really appreciate your time. Hey, anytime, man. Any day you're talking football, it's a good day. So uh, it's great. What makes this sport so great is making connections, and you know, there's you know ways that we do things, but there's there's always a uh, a different way to get better. So it's great to be able to hear some things. If you found this podcast helpful, please take the time to go and leave a review, either on Stitcher or iTunes, and let us know what you think.